and welcome to Marysville Church of Christ podcast. My name is Bishop Darby, and I'll be your host today. Welcome to Under Attack, week two. Last week, we explored a lot of topics that may be new to many of you. Exploring the role of God as Israel's champion. As God waged war on the sea dragons, Leviathan, Yom, and Rahab. As he used his mighty hand to fight against the chaotic waters. We see a picture arising of God out of the Old Testament. A depiction of God as warrior king. A depiction of God as the one true defender of humanity. We even talked about how the very first image of God reinforces this. As God is standing over top of the churning chaotic waters in the old world representing evil. And out of the chaos he constructed a world, a universe of order. This motif of order out of chaos is going to be God's M.O. It will be God's M.O. through the rest of Scripture, and even into today. God constantly is working to bring order out of chaos. We also explored the fact that God not only was the champion of old, but God is the champion now. He has always been the champion of humanity, and he will never stop. And finally, we looked at the ways that we find ourselves entangled in this war what it means to have awareness and be awake to the things around us. We have true value and worth that will be understood only when we start engaging in our spiritual conflict. As I also teased out at the end of last episode, over the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at demons, who they are, what they do. But today I want us to reinforce something. I want us to reinforce the importance and role of Jesus in all of this. As is common and typical of my style, whenever I find something new theologically to be true, I immediately compare it to the cross, and I lay it beside the cross, and I allow the cross to tell me its worth and value. Whatever it is that I have found, I let the cross be the standard and metric by which I understand anything. And so when I, several years ago, discovered these truths of God as Israel's champion, the first thing I did was run to the cross. And I laid the depiction of Yahweh beside Jesus. And I allowed the cross to teach me something powerful. I'd like to share that finding to you today. It's interesting in the Old Testament that there were three major ways that God served as Israel's champion. And we talked about them last week, so I won't spend too much time. First, we see that God was the God over physical need. His ability to deliver as a champion of Israel took the form of providence and provision. Constantly God fed those who were hungry, watered the the empty rivers in times of drought. He was the one who kept the wells full of life-giving water, and he was the one who kept the fields full of harvest. God consistently worked to sate the physical needs of his people. That was his first role as a champion. Second, we looked at about a dozen verses of this was his representation over chaos, the way he was depicted as powerful over the chaos, oftentimes in reference to water. Maybe it's been a week, and I know you've slept, but bring your mind back to where we were last week. Do you remember when, in the passages of Psalms, it talked about God controlling and fighting against the chaotic waters? God will always be the one who rules over the chaos. So we have provision of need, 
we have protector of chaos over chaos. And the third is the defender of the weak. God always promised as a champion of Israel that he would defend the weakest of Israel. Even the littlest and least important were under his protection. These three ideas were why he was so praiseworthy. These three ideas is why so many people in the Old Testament took time to write about the power of their warrior king, the God who provided for their needs, who protected them from chaos, and valued every single one of them down to the least. And what's fascinating is when God comes in human form, in Jesus, he takes time to reveal to us that he is the champion of humanity still. He even uses these three ideas as ways to reinforce his messiahship and ultimately uses these three ideas to be the launching point for his ultimate death and victory over sin and evil. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're about the halfway point in Jesus' ministry. Actually, we're nearing the, rounding the corner towards the end. Jesus is preparing his march to Jerusalem and ultimately is preparing for his death. But before he gets there, he wants people to understand who he is. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a Pharisee or a teacher. He's not a rabbi. He's something different. He is the champion of Israel. He is Yahweh, the warrior king. And the way he chooses to reveal it is quite fascinating. He doesn't choose to draw a sword and fight against Roman oppression. He doesn't choose to gather a garrison and march against those political enemies that align themselves against him. Nor does he take time to show him his might and power by sending firebolts from the heaven or causing earthquakes and tornadoes. The way he reveals that he's Israel's champion is by doing what God has always done, providing for need, being the ruler over chaos, and protecting even the least of the community. In Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13, going to verse 21, we see that story. That story that we've heard so many times for so many years. Jesus has just a couple of loaves of bread and just a couple of fish and 5,000 men to feed, not including the women and the children. And what Jesus does is he performs a miracle in which he creates sustenance to fix the physical needs of the people. He meets the people's needs. He, like Yahweh of old, feeds the hungry and protects from physical ailment. Now, what's fascinating about this, what's fascinating about this interaction, is that it's so unique, it's so unlike Jesus and anything he has done up to this point. And not only that, but in all of the Gospels that have this story, there is an emphasis placed on it, as if this story reveals something deeper about God. It's one that's wrapped in mystery and shrouded in, in power and, and, and impression. And the reason why is because in this moment, Jesus doesn't look like a carpenter's son out of Nazareth, but Yahweh sending manna from the heavens. In this moment, Jesus does not just look like a wide sage, but rather, he looks like a warrior king, a champion, providing for the physical needs. And in case people missed it, a chapter later, he does it again. In chapter 15, verse 32 on, he feeds 4,000 men plus women and children. Twice in this march to Jerusalem, as he is preparing for his coronation as king of the Jews, he is reminding people that he is the champion 
of humanity. And to reinforce that, to, to impress that on people's minds and to prove it, he does what God has always done as champion of Israel. He feeds the hungry. Not only that, but in chapter 14, verses 22 through 36, there's a huge um, chopping sea that begins to, to overtake. The boat is taking a beating from the winds and the waves. And as the night's ending, the apostles are out in this, the middle of this giant lake, realizing they're not going to be able to make it back to shore, terrified for their lives. And God, he just starts walking. He starts walking on the chaotic sea. And in this moment, Peter and the other apostles look out on the boat and they're looking at the chaotic waters, the waters that have always represented the forces and powers of darkness and evil. The ones that have always been associated with Satan and his demons. And there on top of the water, they see Jesus, the champion of Israel, walking with the waves under his feet. In this moment, we're getting a snapshot, a glimpse of what it would have looked like at the beginning of creation with all the chaos of the universe under the gentle feet of humanity's champion, of Yahweh, the warrior king. And it wasn't lost on them. This moment was so incredible. God, over the physical forces of darkness, against the chaos, pushing away all of those things, that at the end of this story, in verse 33, those in the boat said, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the moment where they proclaim him Yahweh's champion for humanity. The first time, in fact, that they do it. This story meant a lot to them because the imagery wasn't lost on them. They knew what this meant. God had provided for physical needs and has risen above the chaos and controlled it. And finally, consider verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 21. He cares for the weak. Just as in times of old, Yahweh took great care to protect even the least of the culture, so too did Jesus. Verses 21 through 28, caring for a Canaanite woman. Not only a Canaanite, but a woman. These, this would have been one of the lowest class people in all of Israel. And yet Jesus cared. Jesus cared for her. And not only did Jesus care for her, but Jesus was willing to go to fight a demon to do it. Jesus, the champion of the least, Yahweh, the warrior king, marched out and fought, pit himself against a demon who was plaguing literally the lowest form of person in Israel. Because that's what the champion of Israel has always done. That is what he has always done. He fights against this demon and wins. Not only that, but then it goes on and says in verses 29 through 31 that he went and large crowds came to him bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others who were demon-afflicted. And he healed all of them. And they praised the God of Israel. They praised Yahweh, their champion. And though the form of Yahweh, the champion, had changed, and now it was in flesh, encased in a weak body, walking among them, these three instances reminded them that this is the warrior king of old. 
that the warrior king who brought manna from the heavens, who split the rocks into seas, who overcame Assyria and Babylon and Persia and defended them for generations, was now there, tending to the sick, healing the wounded, and rising above the chaos. These moments as Jesus reveals his true nature, his true divinity as the champion of people. We should find ourselves encouraged and uplifted because we too find ourselves afflicted. We should find that seeing Jesus rising above the chaos, taking care of physical need and caring for the least, we should find that as a great comfort. Because right now we find ourselves immersed in chaos, do we not? In the midst of a global pandemic, political unrest, economic uncertainty. Yet when we look out, we don't see the chaos of the waters. We see Yahweh, the warrior king, wrapped in flesh, walking above them, with his arm outstretched to us. We don't get lost in the choppiness, the lightning, the sound. No. Because we have our eyes fixed on our champion. Whether it's physical need, whether it's fear of chaos, whether it's a past that has left us feeling like the least, Yahweh the warrior king, Jesus Christ, is still our champion. And for that, brothers and sisters, for that world, we have to be only but thankful and accept the grace that God has bestowed upon us. On this note, I want us to consider how truly blessed we are to have Jesus, Yahweh, as our champion. I'll see you next week.